CBGC Season 2 Finale called Misdirection. Scene. External clearing by the learning cave. Sunrise. The golden glow of the sun peaks over the trees lining the forest edge, draping the clearing with rays of light and shadow. The shuttle in the middle of the clearing has its interior and exterior lights on. The loading ramp is open and a collection of tribefolk are gathered around it. Parker makes a poor attempt at covering up his yawn while being interrogated by those around him. Alpha Paw speaks. Are you sure there is going to be enough to eat? I get really hungry. You won't like me as much when I'm hungry. Parker responds, Yes, we can make all the food you can eat. It won't always be the tastiest thing, but there is plenty of it. Rot interjects, You said we should preserve our hobbies and culture. How many paintings do we need to take with us to make a culture? Maybe I should go back and get a few more. Parker responds, There is no set amount. Please feel free to bring as much as you like. We only have until sunset to get everything done, though. If you are going to make another trip, you will need to leave right away. Derek speaks up. Rot, I think we have enough. Everyone brought several items with them. Is this really about paintings, or are you just homesick already? Rot hangs his head a bit. Yeah, maybe... Alpha Paw steps back a bit and says, This is a lot of change in a short amount of time for all of us. It will all work out, though, because we have each other. And Parker here seems to have a good head on his shoulders, even if it doesn't have fur or a muzzle. Parker gives Alpha Paw a little side-eye, and then smiles a bit. Rot also chuckles a bit. All right, then. Up the ramp you go, Parker says. Rot places his footpaw on the metal ramp and jumps back. It's so hard and cold, like the learning cave. We won't see grass or trees anymore? Rot looks at Derek and Alpha Paw. Derek steps on the ramp and reaches out his paw to Rot and says, Come on, let's have another adventure together. Skyla speaks up. Wait! No trees? How will we train once we are, you know, uh, up there? Doesn't your, um, I-20 ship have a forest for us? Parker says, no, not exactly a forest, no. But we have all sorts of training rooms and equipment you have never seen before that may challenge your skills Beyond what a forest can do. Oh, Skyla says. Well, that sounds interesting, I suppose. Different, but interesting. Is there a river for swimming and fishing? Alpha Kaiden interrupts. Skyla, of course not. The learning cave had no river in it, so this new one won't either. Right? He looks at Parker, and Parker nods. Parker then speaks. I'm afraid he is correct. 
we won't have a river for you on the ship. But you did bring some of your weird round fishes so we can make sure you still enjoy your home foods. Parker then gestures for her to get on board. Skyla recoils a bit. Alpha Kaida interjects, Skyla, are you scared of this? My brave warrior, who won a staring contest with a shadowcaster, is scared of a fat flying box? Skyla looks down. She says, this just doesn't feel natural. Parker responds, it is not natural. Nothing about what is going on here is natural, and that is precisely why the big giant drag uh, shadowcaster has politely asked us to leave. I know it's not like the things you are used to, but it is all I have to offer you. Skyla nods and then proceeds up the ramp hesitantly. Alpha Kaiden follows. Not far behind them, Alpha Equar and his Centurion guards board as well. Their steps shake the ramp, and the sound echoes lightly through the frame of the ship for all to hear. Once on board, one of the Centurions drops his hammer sledge to the floor, a not-so-silent protest of his displeasure with the situation. Alpha Equar raises his hand gently towards the Centurion. He speaks. We are all angry. And we are all sad. Parker walks up the ramp and turns to the wall, operating a few buttons and switches. The ramp begins to raise up. The whirring and clicking sounds are neither cheery or ominous. They simply remind those listening that there is a job to do, and slow and steady is how we must do it. The door closes with a loud thud, followed by several deep ratcheting sounds and a hiss of air. Alpha Equar continues. We are all afraid, he says while lowering his head back down and wringing his hands together rather nervously. I fear we just traded paradise for prison. The ship fires up its engines with a mechanical chatter followed by a low hum. A change in pitch crescendos into a violent downward thrust. The ship begins to ascend out of view. The camera pans along the exterior of the ship, zooming in on a section with windows. Each one filled with the paws and concerned faces of the tribe folk watching their world get left behind. What do you say when you cannot stay in the one and only place you've called home? You didn't have a choice You never Got a voice They tell you It's all for The greater good 
Wave goodbye. Time to fly. Fly away from everything you know. Wave goodbye. Time to fly. Not a moment to listen to your sorrow. Wave goodbye. You've got to leave. There's no time to grieve, and you've never felt yourself more alone. You didn't have a choice. You never got a voice. They tell you it's all for the greater good. Wave goodbye. Time to fly. Fly away from everything you know. Wave goodbye. Time to fly. Not a moment to listen to your sorrow. Wave goodbye. Scene, I twenty bridge. Jeff sits in the bridge chair with a cup of coffee lazily held in his left hand. He wipes his fingers down his face and blinks a few times, then activates the radio. He speaks. Shuttle 2, are you ready for departure? The radio responds. Sir, we are ready to go, but still waiting on the science team. One moment, Jeff says. He flips a few switches. Science lab, what is the holdup? Shuttle 2 is waiting on you. Radio answers back. Jeff, Don here. The computer hasn't finished compiling the results of the bone fragment analysis yet. And I don't want to return it until we know for sure we got everything we need. Jeff responds. The computer isn't going to finish until the Haven decipher is done. So you might as well get going. There won't be time to start over. All right, Don says. Proceeding to Shuttle Bay 2. Roger that, Jeff says. He clicks a few buttons. Comms, what is the status on the decryption? Almost complete, the radio answers. We should be able to transcribe all the Haven messages soon. Roger that, Jeff says. He clicks a few buttons. Shuttle Bay 3, what is the ETA on the surface shuttle? On schedule, we expect them docked within the hour, the radio responds. Roger that, Jeff says, and clicks a few more buttons to turn off the radio. Scene, exterior clearing by the learning cave. Midday. The shuttle descends toward a group of tribe folk gathered in the clearing. It lands gently, a safe distance from them, 
and the ramp door opens. Dawn walks down the ramp with a few other crew members as the tribe folk approach. Oh my gosh, it is so wonderful to meet you all. This is so exciting, Dawn says. Greetings, Tori says. It is kind of you to welcome us, though I wish it were under better circumstances. Yes, well, um, I imagine this is even more stressful and strange for you as it is for us. Oh, I love your necklace. Thank you, Tori says. We don't often enjoy being told what to do. But when a giant flying beast says go, I guess you go. Speak of the devil, Don says. What? Tori inquires. Don points upward, and Rathakar can be seen in the distance heading their way. Oh, Tori responds. Don't worry, says Don. I'm sure he's just keeping a watchful eye on things. Tori inquires, I don't see any of the god flow here. Will they be along shortly? I think they boarded the earlier shuttle. Darn, Tori replies. I was hoping to see Alpha Paw. He is so talented. Do you think he will like my necklace? Talented? Don inquires. Oh, yes. His ways with females put most of our masters to shame. What? Oh. Oh! Don exclaims. Rathakar is now close enough his wing flaps drown out the conversation. He descends and lands with a final wing flap that kicks up a dust cloud in the clearing that dispenses quickly enough. He takes a few steps forward and leans his head down toward Don. Have you brought it back? Yes, Don answers. I have. It is right here in my case. I was just on my way to return it to the bottom of the gravesite. Do so with haste. I will return shortly to seal off the site. Rathakar steps back a few steps, turns, and takes flight, covering the clearing with another cloud of dust. Well, he isn't much of one for conversation, is he? Tori says. No, he is not. Don responds. So, I better get to it. We can talk more when I am done. I want to hear more about these talented masters, Don says as she rolls her case off the ramp. Tori giggles a bit. Scene. I-20. Bridge. The radio gives off a chatter. Captain! Comms here! Decryption is complete! We now have the full Haven language loaded into our translation matrix. Roger that, Jeff says. Let's start with decrypting their most recent message. Acknowledged. One moment. Okay, here it goes. Greetings, upright walkers. We understand the dangers of first contact and do not condemn you for your destructive acts. We will remain distant until you are able to communicate effectively. Contact us by our ship name so we may know you understand us. 
It is called the Clevron, named after a great war hero of our time. Radiation sequence terminating. Jeff talks to the radio. We can translate and respond in their language now, correct? Yes, Captain. Perfect. Please send out a message addressing their ship by name and apologize for the misunderstanding. Please let them know they don't have any reason to hide any longer. We mean them no harm. Then start decrypting the rest of their messages. And tell them we call it radio, not radiation sequence. That kind of makes it sound like a weapon. On it, comms out. Jeff presses a few buttons, and the radio speaks up. Engineering, Jeff talks. Comms is done with their project. Please redirect auxiliary power to the lab computer resources for clustered analysis. Acknowledged, the radio says. Scene. Exterior learning cave. Clearing. Don, Tori, and several others are gathered around the shuttle ramp, loading items up into the shuttle. I think that is just about the last of it, Don says. Tori speaks. I am not sure how I feel about all this. I have never left a whole world before. It is hard to imagine what that is like. Don responds. I know it sounds strange to say, but you get used to it after a while. Sometimes home is where... What is going on? Tori turns around and looks up to see what Don obviously already saw. The others in the group turn and look as well. Rathakar is flying toward them. His flight appears labored as he heaves his wings up and down. He is carrying something. Something big. The closer he gets, the bigger it seems. It resembles the rooftop stone slab of the Enyuk Rockade. Rathakar shifts his hold on the massive stone and then dives toward the learning cave. He adjusts his angle a bit and then throws all his weight into the stone's downward motion. The slab smashes into the learning cave with a deafening crash, shaking the ground and generating a massive dust cloud. He remains hovered above the site, flapping his wings to help clear the air. After a few moments, he is able to evaluate his work. The learning cave has all but disappeared into the hillside. The tunnel that was in front of it has been leveled too. The giant stone has sealed away most any trace of the entrance. Rathakar lands and begins covering any remaining exposed ship with dirt, reshaping the hillside just as he did all those years ago to cover up the gravesite. He soon finishes and makes his way to the shuttle area where the onlookers are silently spectating. Rathakar once again leans in toward Dawn. Do you have answers for me? Oh, right, Dawn says. Yes, I do. I am a hundred percent sure the Bones host was infected with a virus. 
the finer details as to the extent of the infection, the duration, and the symptoms that likely presented are still being analyzed, but I am sure they were infected, no doubt. That is good enough. To know that our kin turned mad with illness, rather than simply choosing dishonor, gives good reason to begin again. Thank you. You are welcome, Don says. Don pauses a moment, briefly recalling Parker telling her to just get on the damn shuttle, and chooses not to linger any longer. Well, I guess this is goodbye, she says to Rathakar. We are the last shuttle to the surface. It sure was wonderful to meet you. I hope you don't think ill of us, and maybe someday we can visit again. With your permission, of course. Perhaps. And thank you for cleaning up your mess. Dawn smiles and waves, then turns and walks toward the shuttle. Scene. Bridge of the I-20 spaceship. Evening. The radio breaks the silence of the room. Bridge hail. Bridge hail. Jeff presses a few buttons. Captain Trax, on bridge. Go ahead. The radio responds. This is Parker in Cargo Bay 14. I'm just about done getting our new friends all settled in. Has Shuttle 2 returned yet? Jeff answers. They just finished docking, General. You should be able to meet them over in Cargo Bay 16 shortly. That should be fine. Are we ready to depart? He asks. Jeff sits up in his chair and says, we are pretty well buttoned up at this point. Oh, and the Haven ship will be here shortly. What? They came back? The radio screams. It turns out they never left, Jeff answers. They, they just kept their distance. Don't worry, though. We have full vocabulary for clear comms, and they accepted our apology for the damages. It's fine. You should have told me. Don't do a thing. I will be right there. I'll send an ensign to base 16. Roger that, Jeff says. Scene. I-20 Laboratory. Dawn enters the lab and drops a few items off at the desk. She turns on the computer screen and pulls up a chair. Oh, good, she exclaims. The lab got the dedicated resources while I was gone. The analysis is done. Let's see what we found out. Scene. I-20 Bridge. The door to the bridge opens and Parker enters. He is walking angry. Jeff turns and says, General Parker, the Haven ship has just arrived. They are hailing us. Parker paces up, down, and across the various raised levels of the bridge. He speaks. They are going to fire on us. We aren't ready. The crew is still distracted by the guests. The radio breaks up the energy in the room. Bridge, this is comms. We have decoded the rest of the Haven messages. I think you are going to want to hear this. Comms, stand by, Jeff says with authority. Parker, what are you talking about? 
They aren't here to fire on us. They want to help us. Their weapons are not powered, and neither is their energy disruptor shield. Now just take a breath and tell me what you would like our first official diplomatic message to say. Parker stops pacing at one of the stations and leans back on it. His hand presses one of the buttons. Wait, did, did you just power on the debris cutters? Jeff asks. Parker interrupts him. A diplomatic message. Okay. Tell them Cleveron was a weak, helpless fool who died in a puddle of his own urine. Parker slams his hand on the console, firing the debris cutters, then draws his sidearm and shoots Jeff in the chest. <laughs> Alarms sound, the bridge door locks, and Jeff looks down at his own wound helplessly. The radio comes alive with chatter. Jeff, it's dawn. You won't believe this. The virus has properties of mind-controlling drugs. Earth has wasps with similar enzymes. The radio continues. Sir, it's comms again. Sir, we really think you should know one of our messages from Haven says the virus allows mind control of its victims. Bridge, security here. We have reports of shots fired. Are you okay? Can you open the door? Jeff starts to lift his hand, and Parker fires again, hitting Jeff in the upper arm. Don't even think about it, Parker says. Jeff relaxes, slowly sliding into a slumped-over position in the chair. Parker walks down to Jeff's chair and hits a button to silence the radio, which still begs for a reply. Jeff speaks now in a weak voice. Who are you? Really? <laughs> I am the queen of the hive. I am the everlasting intelligence that will rule this universe. Did you really think a bunch of fuzzy natives and a few two-leggers could so quickly discover how to defeat the Haven's advanced technology? You are just a bunch of bickering idiots. I have been fighting off the Haven's united gathering of species for centuries. Oh, they do try their best. They all band together and share their science, technologies, tools, and toys. And still, their freedom and disorder leaves them vulnerable. Why? Why kill everyone with a virus if they are so... Insignificant, Jeff asks. Were you not listening to your friends speaking just now? Death is not the goal, just an unfortunate side effect. Corpses make terrible slaves. I want control. Total control of them all. Everyone. Everywhere. The virus is just a delivery system to retune the subconscious to my telepathic resonance. Madness or death only occur when the virus is incompatible with the host. With each new version and mutation, I learn how to make it more compatible with more species. I have triumphed over hundreds of worlds already. They are all my worker drones now. Jeff tries to find the energy for another question. 
Why? Why bother with us bickering idiots, then? Oh, now see, that is the best part. To truly win over the universe, I need two things. I need the virus to evolve faster, and I need my drones to live longer. Do you know what gets used to force the virus to evolve? No, of course you don't. You haven't put it together yet. Because you're an idiot. Fine, I will tell you. Dead dragon stones force the evolution. But on most dragon worlds, those stones are but a tiny pebble. They rarely occur, and very hard to find even when they do occur, and don't last long once used. Now, not only have I managed to get all of you to help me get the largest dragon stone in the galaxy loaded onto this ship, I also got an entire cargo bay full of immortals to experiment on. <laughs> they will show me how to get my drones to live forever, just like me. The royal jelly that makes me immortal kills any other that consumes it, but now your misfit natives will get me the answers I need. Everything I need to enslave the universe is now on this ship, thanks to all of you. <laughs> Not you, your other bickering idiots, or the Haven can stop it now. Parker puts his gun to Jeff's forehead and pulls the trigger.